Hi, everybody. Randy Odom here, uh, pastor of senior adults at Three Crosses Church. And I'm here today to blow your mind with the idea that you are immortal. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Weight of Glory, he says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilization, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals with whom we joke, work, marry, snub, and exploit immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Oxford's Dictionary defines the word immortal as living forever, never dying or decaying. If we are students of and believers in the Bible, we know that humanity was created to enjoy a loving and eternal relationship with our Creator God. However, in Genesis 3, that eternal bliss was short-lived when in willful disobedience, our first parents helped themselves to the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God had cautioned them not to do so, but rather than trusting God and enjoying him and all the rest of his beautiful creation that was free for the taking, by not heeding God's admonition and warning, Adam and Eve were enticed by the temptation of the serpent and disobeyed God's command. As a result, God pronounced the curse of physical death on them and their offspring. I remember some years ago when a woman in a church that I was serving at that time passed away. Thelma was 97 years old, and when she died, she had an in-home personal caregiver who had served her for a few years prior to her death. To my knowledge, Robin, the caregiver, was not a follower of Jesus. Shortly after the lady's death, I went over to the house, and the caregiver was still there. She was extremely distraught and crying. As we talked, Robin said through her tears, This is not the way it's supposed to be. I shared with her that she was absolutely right. This was not God's original plan or design for the life of his image bearers. In Romans 8.23, we read, We believers groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We, too, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. The groaning that each of us experiences for something better is part and parcel of the human condition. We know innately that what we have is not all that was intended. The caregiver was right. This is not the way it's supposed to be. More was intended. And that longing for more is the immortal, eternal part of our nature, crying out for what is broken in us and in our world to ultimately and finally be put right. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42 and 43, Paul writes, Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. 
Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. These verses assure us that the everlasting life for which all humans instinctively long is possible as a result of the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the grave. In the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul writes a letter to a church that is distraught with concern for those believers who die before Christ's return. What will happen to them? Paul desires to assuage their concern and fear by explaining the eternal hope that belongs to all followers of Jesus. He writes this in verses 13 to 18 of chapter 4. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. When the Apostle John was in exile on the lonely island of Patmos, God gave him an incredible vision of the everlasting kingdom of God. We call it the Revelation. In chapter 21, verse 3 of that book, John wrote this, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. The good news for we who bear the image of our Creator is that death need not be the end. 2 Timothy 1 verse 10 says, This grace has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. In Jesus, the promise of immortality has been proclaimed, and the promise has been sealed by his own victorious resurrection from the grave. And in the following two verses, it says, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. The image of God can be restored in its fullness by turning to Jesus. The penalty of death will be canceled and we will reign with him in his fully renewed and restored kingdom forever.